The Full Exposure Podcast is brought to you by Dr. Peter Hahn and University of Michigan Health West in appreciation of the creative and artistic visionaries who enrich our lives through cultural connections. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition, another episode of Full Exposure with me, your host, Brian Kelly. Today's guest, Doug DeVos. Doug DeVos is co-chair of the board of directors for Amway Corporation, the world's largest direct selling company with more than $8 billion in revenue. He previously served as president of Amway for more than 16 years. And uh, Doug, along with his wife, Maria, is the founder of Continuum Ventures, an investment company for the Doug and Maria DeVos family. Um, Doug strolled in uh, to the studio. We did a great portrait session. Please check him out at fullexposurepodcast.com slash Doug. Also, the video excerpts of this conversation are there. And we had a really wide-ranging conversation. It was, it was a lot of fun. We had a tight window to get this... Uh, um, you know, to get the um, conversation recorded. And, um, but uh, we talked about his own podcast. He has a brand new podcast out. It's been out a few months now. It's called Believe, a podcast with Doug DeVos. We talk a lot about podcasting, why he's in it, why he's doing it, what is his show about. And um, a couple surprises in there, I think, in there in terms of why he's doing it. And also what he hopes to accomplish with these conversations he has with uh, thinkers and leaders across the globe. And um, we also discuss one of my favorite parts of the episode is towards the end. And, and we we got into it a little bit about uh, how philanthropic gifts can be more impactful. And just for some context, uh, the DeVos families have uh, in their lifetimes now um, given over a billion dollars to various philanthropic causes across the globe. And I sort of felt like I shouldn't be talking to someone who's given away so much money in philanthropic gifts about how philanthropy can be more effective. I mean, I, I give what I can, but not at a scale of a DeVos family member. And, uh, but I found his insights to be really interesting around that and how driven he is to improve the way that uh, philanthropic gifts are given and how can they be more impo- impactful and how it can create more opportunities for people um, across all sections of society. And we also talk about uh, racing and sailboats. And, and I asked him, I think, the ultimate question, if, if being extravagantly wealthy, you know, does that make you happy? Does it make one happy to be wealthy? And so it was just a very candid conversation. He's a master communicator, and, and you'll find this conversation to be really, really interesting. Um, so without uh, further ado, let's dive into it. Let's explore the bigger picture with Doug DeVos. Now, not just an entrepreneur, he's a podcaster. And uh, check out Believe, a podcast with Doug DeVos. Information is in the show notes. So here we go. The importance of feeling like you have agency in that discourse. You good, Mark? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Doug, awesome to have you on the podcast. I can't thank you enough for popping by. Absolutely. You, uh, for one, uh, we've done a just uh, we've done a few photo shoots together over the years. I've had some contact with your family. I've always enjoyed our quick conversations, and this is a wonderful opportunity to sit down with you and kind of pick your brain about a few things that I've always been curious about. Well, thanks for having me over, Brian. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to, like, let's just go for the easy stuff first, right? <laughs> Perfect. I mean, uh, I, I really am enjoying your new podcast, Believe. Thank you. And the audience should also just fill in a blank as you've, you've pivoted out of your leadership role at Amway, and as mm-hmm. you're afforded to pursue some other interests now, sure. which one is Believe. So tell me what got you interested in podcasting, and actually then 
having a podcast. It's right. one thing to think about it, but now you're actually in it and booking guests and having incredible conversations. Right, right, right. So, well, it, 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 they're, they're kind of linked a little bit because you know, in in the Amway business, you're always talking to people. You're, or we were you know, whether it's the you know the, the the staff team that you know leadership team that we were working with, or whether it was our you know business owners you know in the field. You're always talking about the business. You're talking about business issues. Talking about product issues. You're talking about economic issues. You know, you're very focused on on, on all those sorts of things and it's always so much fun great people having these conversations so certain when we kind of transitioned and then uh, uh, with COVID as well all of a sudden you don't have anybody to talk to <laughs> right? right so so it's like my kids are like well you got to talk to somebody you know and it's not us anymore you, know? you can't keep talking to us so you got in 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 the Amway in in, in my life you just you become very passionate about certain topics and you want to talk, you want to explore, you want to learn, you're curious. Why does this work? Why didn't it work in that situation, but it worked in this situation? What are the characteristics that, that are really important? I thought it was this, but it might be that. And, and so I wanted to kind of explore with people who had a strong sense of belief, I, 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 you know, I have a strong sense of belief in myself of who I am and, you know, and, and, and what I, you know, how I, you know, how, how God wants me to, you know, be positive, a positive impact in this world. And so I try to figure that out on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage other people to really have that sense as well and do it by, by simply talking with a lot of people who have a sense of belief or, or, or a strong set of beliefs, um, who have worked in a certain area you know, for a long time and are very knowledgeable and can just talk about what they've learned. So we can be curious, so we can learn more from them mm -hmm. and it'll help shape what we think about a different topic. So we'll talk about some business topics, which we have, but we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, we've talked about the American dream. We've talked about the American constitution. We've talked about education and we've talked about, you know, right. how do you relationships? How do you, mm -hmm. you, know, uh, uh, you know, disagree without being disagreeable? And we, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, you know, we got one of the best examples of that in President Ford and, you know, a person right. who served in this amazingly, challenging and difficult time, but did so with honor. Yeah. And that a lot of us who, who still have a memory of that, we say, yeah. wow, where did that time go? Yeah. So, well, it's, uh, so that's why we're doing it. Well, when what's interesting too, and we were, we were chatting a little bit before, is that this sort of idea of like, you don't always need to agree. There's a climate where we seem to, you know, it's, 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 it's exaggerated melt, feels more real in terms of how separated we are. But right. through... Uh, these people you're talking to, you don't necessarily need to be lockstep with them in, in a particular mindset or philosophy, but tell me more about how that conversation uh, and curiosity sort of helps bridge what might be a divide, you know? Sure, sure. You know, in, in many conversations, you know, whether it, it, it's political or professional, you can usually find some level of common ground. Yeah. The vast majority of people can find some level of common ground. And it's okay to not agree on everything. Yeah. But you don't, have to, you don't have to fight every argument to win it or to destroy your opponent. In fact, we, we spend a lot of time, I'm involved with the National Constitution Center, we spend a lot of time trying to people to say, I don't want to get you to change your belief necessarily, but just understand where I'm coming from. Mm. This is where I'm coming from and, and, and then help me understand where you're coming from, because now I'm going to be more informed. I can either modify my beliefs based on this new information, or I can strengthen my beliefs based on this new information, or, right. or whatever. But if I don't have the conversation, I'm not going to learn anything. Yeah. If I just talk all the time, I'm, I'm not going to gain any further knowledge. And, and I like being curious. Why do you think that? What, how does this come together? What are you trying to accomplish? What am I missing? Right. You know, I, I found that a lot. It, you know, in my work experience, all the time, I would think something, and if I, you know, if I'm the president of the company, you know, I should know something. But then, so many times, I'd ask and I'd realize, right. wow, I really didn't know what I was talking about. Sure. You know, because there's somebody that's a lot closer to the issue, that's a lot more knowledgeable than me. And my job as a leader is to do a better job asking questions, yeah. being curious and learning. Then I can, I can do my job better. Yeah. I'm a big believer on a much smaller scale than you've experienced, but like it's sur surrounding yourself with people who are more talented than Absolutely. you are can fill the gaps in what you're doing. That's easy to do in my case. Everybody's more talented <laughs> than me. Um, 
another sort of stray thought I had. I'm just really interested in in the global business of Amway and you personally. How that's a multicultural, multi. You know how do, how do you do business in in a hundred, over a hundred countries? Right. You know what I mean? Like, so what have you learned about humanity? I hope this doesn't come as a as a something you you're anyway I'm going to reset that that's <laughs> a, but what I'm interested in is what have you learned about mankind and humanity in terms of running and been exposed to hundreds of different cultures languages um, ways of doing business sure. how families are structured belief systems how has that impacted you and what have you learned from that yeah, process yeah. of sort of like that listening yeah. side of learning yeah learning observing you know being involved with it um, first of all, I love it. I mean, just you know, there's amazing people all over all over the world, um, and the similarities. If you kind of go, you know, you know, who you are, why you, you know, what are your, why you believe what you believe, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We found that you know, that the values that my dad and Javen Andel kind of put out there in the beginning of Amway, of freedom, family, hope, reward. We found around the people, those around the world, those resonated with people. Mm-hmm. They they wanted to be free to pursue their own you know, their own goals. They loved their family. They wanted a better life or a better future for their family. They wanted a better future for themselves. They hoped for a better future. They're willing to work hard to achieve it, and they wanted to be rewarded for the work that they'd done. Makes mm-hmm. sense, right? You want to do sure. something. You want to see some result, yeah. some tangible result uh, of how to go forward. So we found that that connected at a at a wonderful level. But then we found that the way people do it, vastly different. There, there, there's certain things that you know we're similar. You have to build relationships, but how they built relationships in different cultures in different ways, how we would operate the business in different cultures in different ways, whether it was the legal environment or just kind of the the, the, the cultural environment of how it was set up, that you know uh, you know that would you know, that would cause you to to you know, market products or, or position mm-hmm. the business opportunity or our work in, in, in different ways to make sure we met the market. So well, it seems like it's a matter of trust through learning and go, okay, this isn't how we do it. And we can't like prescribe it or, or dictate necessarily exactly because it wouldn't quite be as successful if there are people are able to take an idea, the big idea of something, mm-hmm. and then get down to the architecture of how it works best in that particular right. field. Right, right. Is that fair? It's, like, always, it's always better to go to the people who are closest to the issue. Yeah. You know, locally sourced, right? You know, go to the, go to the locally sourced uh, person because they have a, the best understanding of the challenge and they'll probably have the best understanding of the solution. And therefore, then, as a, as a company, what we wanted to do is make sure we get, got the right resources to them so that that, assu- that solution could actually happen. Yeah. Sometimes we did it well, sometimes we didn't do it well. Sometimes we thought we had all the best ideas and we would try to push it out there, and usually we found that you know, it was modestly successful. Usually if we do a better job of listening and, and really understanding, we did a, uh, in, in Japan, I remember doing a jungle safari, or, or, or a market safari, and uh, that just basically get on the streets and walk around. Go to somebody's home, this is how, you know, this Japanese family lives, or this Japanese family lives. So, if, you know, their homes were smaller. So if you have a big product that you're going to put on their countertop, we had a big water treatment system at the time, the people here aren't going to buy it. They don't have space for that, you know. Right. They, don't, they don't have, you know, this interest in the product that we designed in another country that we wanted to sell in their country. Right. You need to understand where they're coming from or the level of innovation in Korea. We hadn't, there was a, a, a product that we hadn't updated for a long time. Our product cycle, we would generally develop something, then we would kind of move it around the world. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, all of our competitors are on generation two or three and we're still on generation one. Right. When are you gonna come out with the next new product here? Because this is the market, it's moving faster, the technology is advancing, yeah. highly competitive, and we can't stand by. And, and right. so we, we just learned a lot in those sorts of uh, circumstances. Well, it feels relentless, right? You're like the, the relentlessness to, uh, to change and adapt because someone, you know, in capitalism, someone's gonna have a better uh, water treatment filter system at some point. So innovating in front of that is to your own benefit, but it's also exhausting. Yeah. And uh, it takes uh, so much perseverance yeah. to, uh, to stay on top of that. That's what's yeah. impressive of, of the legacy of Amway. Yeah. There's a train going Got by. The train going by. Probably, probably has some of your products. Well, me, I hope so. I hope they're, hope they're getting through with all the supply chain issues right now. I hope they're getting through. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I want to pivot back real quick about the podcast, but um, uh, 
so how were your kids? Did they push you over the top to do that? How did the, the family discussion about, Dad, you should have a podcast, and you going, okay, well, sure. But, like, I mean, <laughs> how did that, like, mechanically happen where it was like, all right, we're doing this? Well, there's, there's a couple things. One, they got tired of me talking to them. <laughs> so you need to talk to other people. Uh, we joke about that a little bit. But then they said, yeah, there's some things. It could be interesting. You know, we, we, we could, it, could, it could really be fun. And so they said, we'll help you do it. Yeah. We'll help you, you know, figure out how to make it happen. The, the nuts and the operational, the production pieces. We'll find some great folks who can help us do that. We'll, we'll do the work to kind of get some guests and help you get prepared. And, and we'll help you in making it happen. Mm -hmm. And so they, they jumped in with others on our team to say, here's how it can happen. And I've had more fun with it now than I ever expected because I've been meeting and talking with really fun people. These things are fun. You, yeah. you know, doing this, talking with you, Brian. I, well, these things are fun. You have yeah. a chance to talk about things. And, and the podcast gives you an opportunity to take time. To do Time, well. and that's a luxury to have, especially, uh, I think, you know, I, it's a luxury to have that you would even come, you know what I mean? Like, and, and any guest, I'm not just saying you, but like, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's a way to honor each other by saying you're worthy of taking time. I'm curious about your brain. I'm curious about yeah. what you think and how I might take away something that will resonate with me and, and, and with the audience as well. Yeah. It is a cool, very cool space that has exploded. And I think there's still lots of room. I still have little existential crises about, well, what does it matter if I have a conversation with Doug DeVos or something like, what are people? But it really is a unique collision every single time yeah. with, with a conversation that it isn't repeatable necessarily. There, we have this moment we're capturing. So I feel especially honored to have you in and, and be able to, uh, to explore this. But and, isn't, isn't it fun when you have a conversation with somebody just anywhere and you go, that was such a great conversation, but you can't duplicate it again and you can't share it with someone. You can tell somebody about it, but it'll never be the same. Right. Or even if you know, the audience size doesn't matter, you've had a conversation, now it's at least... It's recorded, it's memorialized, it can be shared, and somebody can be part of it. Maybe, you know, through some way it can be helpful. So that's what, yeah. that's what you're trying to do, that's what I'm trying to do. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the guests that you're interested, the, if there's a, a profile, I know it's wide ranging, but what makes a good, what types of conversations do you enjoy uh, with experts, or uh, what, what kind of like, if you could get a get of a particular type of guest, What's a good get for your podcast? You know, it's somebody who, who has a, a deep sense of belief and, and has been in a certain field working at trying to express that belief um, and, and, then, and then has a bit of a track record of how that has turned out, what have been the results of that. Mm -hmm. So it, it, there, there are people you know, you know, like uh, uh, Jeff Rosen, who's the CEO of the National Constitution Center. He's a constitutional scholar. He taught at George Washington. Now he's involved in this organization. He's creating these things. And so when you talk to him about you know, his exploration of the Constitution and how he's trying to express his appreciation and how he's working with other scholars across the board, that's great. Mm -hmm. You talk to a business guy like Alan Smolensky, who's, you know, who's you know, the American dream. Parents you know, were discriminated against. They were Jewish immigrants from Argentina. One you know, father came to LA, mother came to New York, met in LA, you know, worked their way through, encouraged their kids to, to do what they could do. He's become wonderfully successful. He's one of the owners of the LA Dodgers. His father always loved the team. So it's the American dream. And, and so, but he's experienced it. He's worked it. He's living it. And he's trying to express, you know, what that result has been. And that, that it, you know, the story, and it goes back to Amway a little bit. If, if he can do it, you can do it too. And, and so it's that sort of, that sort of person who, who just is, is passionate in the work that they do and, and, and is able to uh, you know, articulate it and, and generate what, what they've learned, you yeah. know, what's been the results, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Well, I would imagine you have a special opportunity with your network to, to access uh, a lot of interesting, highly successful people in whatever field, and I don't mean successful in, uh, they can be in their field, I don't mean successful that everybody has to be a certain net worth to Correct. talk to. Exactly. It's uh, you know, uh, a great way to go. So yep, exactly. uh, I'm curious too. I just want to dig one other thing farther about um, 
you know, it's called believe, but this is sort of an abstract question uh, of, you know, do you find there's a difference in your mind between when you talk about something that you believe in or something that you have faith in? So mm. belief and faith are sort of, yeah. you know, pretty close cousins, I think. And is there a difference in your mind between something you believe or something that you have faith in? Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, very similar. I, I separate them, one spiritually, you know, just your faith in God. And, and you know, faith would kind of have that, that higher level, that higher calling. But you would also have to have belief in people. They have faith that you're going to do the right thing, that, you know, that people are going to stop at a red light, that they're going to thrive on their side of the road and not your side of the road. And you can live every day because you develop a sense of trust. So I think it transitions, um, and I think they're very similar. I, just, I would segment them that way, one more of a spiritual level, mm-hmm. and then one more of a personal or, or, or uh, uh, you know, community level, if you will. But the same idea applies that that you know we're not in this world alone. You know we're part of a community. We're part of you know family. You know, you know whatever that you know unit looks like for you, or whatever your neighborhood looks like for you, or wh- whatever that may be for you. Mm-hmm. You know we're here to be part of something. Yeah. Y- you know, and so having faith and having belief in the people around us. Um, you know, is uh, you know is important, but for me, it starts with a faith in God that I that now I can put things in context. Mm-hmm. Okay, this you know, there, there's a Creator in, in my mind. That's how I believe is there. There's a Creator who who put this in place, who put me here for a purpose. I may not know exactly what that is. I'll spend my life trying to find it or figure it out, but uh, I I have a good sense it's to interact with people in a positive way. Yeah, well, that's great. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about, I'm curious about uh, your dad and you, you, you talk a lot about Rich DeVos and his books and you know, he's seminal and central to uh, you know, influence uh, and impact upon not, you know, you're his son. Yeah. But like uh, outside of that context, because only, I'm only saying let's set your dad aside for a second because <laughs> that, that story is well told and how sure. important he is is, is, is uh, you know, it's a given to your life and how you've talked about him over the decades. But like, who else has been influential that might surprise us either in your personal or, or professional development um, that that isn't part of the family or isn't Jay or Rich? <laughs> well, it's hard. I had it, it, it's hard to kind of go out of that context because uh, because they were so influential and then always there. There were there were a couple others that that I would lean to. One is a guy named Billy Zioli, who was a great friend of Dad. Uh, Billy was a was an evangelist. Uh, he he ran a ministry called Gospel Films mm-hmm. uh, at a time when many Christians didn't think films were you know, appropriate. He said, and this organization said, "Well, we're reaching people, and why don't we use this? It's just a medium to to spread the gospel." Mm-hmm. And was the first to get on the internet when everyone again a lot in the in the faith community were saying, "Well, we got to stay away from this thing." He's, well. Look, we have millions and millions of people finding information. Why don't we put the gospel on there? So uh, he was he was very important. Just uh, well, I remember they were they had a Grand Rapids office. He's from Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. I think, or something. And yes. he was making these uh, kind of documentaries. I mean, they played them in our they screened them in our. I remember seeing them when I was growing up. You sure. know, in our, our church, I went to Calvary on Denam, grew up yeah. there, yeah. and. Uh, but I think it's interesting. I was thinking about technology. Like that was cutting edge technology at the time. Now we're all the way to podcasting. That's right. <laughs> so, but there's been a lot of iterations about how to spread messages, and uh, using the current technologies of the day. One was cinema. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's amazing just to how far that has just uh, exponentially made things easier now. I mean, I'm still blown away. I remember in the '80s. I had an exchange sister from Spain live with us, and she's still one of my best friends. And I remember racking up huge long-distance bills to talk to my exchange sister in sure. Madrid. And it would cost so much money just to have a phone conversation. And now I can FaceTime with her for free. Yeah, and I can check in any time. And amazing. I see their kids and mom. And, you know, it just blows my mind, the innovation. Yeah. But, but the idea of, like, technology and iteration of that. So... Sorry, so Billy Zioli was yeah. uh, was influential. Is there somebody else uh, that you would like to touch on at least? Yeah, I think you know my uh, you know I'm I'm the youngest in my family, so my older siblings, 
you know, watching them grow up, they all kind of took care of their little brother. You know, so my brother Dick, Dan, my sister Cher, you know, they all kind of took care of me. And so you, you know, always appreciated that. And I watched how they navigated things. And they had a huge influence, you know, on my life because, you know, they, you could watch them one and see what worked yeah. and didn't work. See how much they got second, in trouble so you didn't do that. Yeah. And then they tell you about, hey, don't do this, don't do that, you know. And, and yeah. so uh, I always felt very fortunate. And there was a number of people, there was a, a number of executives uh, at Amway um, and business leaders uh, in the field at Amway that I got to know at a young age that, that talked about why they did what they did mm-hmm. and how, they, you know, how their beliefs were shaped and then how they put it into practice. And I got to see them do it well uh, also. A, a, a number of folks kind of in that category. Most of my growing up was in the Amway business, most mm-hmm. of what I saw. And the only, thing out, the only one outside that I already mentioned was in, in this unique way, this view of President Ford. Mm-hmm. He was in Congress when he opened, uh, he was part of the opening ceremonies at the Amway's headquarters building. I got to meet him. Yeah. I didn't really care or think about Congress or anything. I was in like third or fourth grade. Right. But I met him, and then all of a sudden, he's on TV a lot. He's becoming vice president. Then all of a sudden, you know, and I'm listening to the conversation of my parents, and all of a sudden, he's president. So I'm like, probably the first time I started to really pay attention. And, and then later in life, having a chance to serve on the, uh, on, on the, you know, the presidential foundation board and, yeah. and, and having to met him and his family, you know, over the years, to, you know, just to, to see somebody who was thrust in one of the more challenging times in our nation's history mm-hmm. and how he put the nation ahead of his own you know, yeah, personal a lot gain. A lot of people mad about that decision, but over time, like he, he, he stayed the course for what he believed would be the best decision in the long term. Of course, there was for the a, country. For the country, yeah. For the country, exactly. But I think there was a you know current day. If it was if that same situation had happened now, we'd be you know, uh, social media would be uh, full of hate for that decision yeah, and you yeah. know all the back channeling of this and that. But you know it was every bit as uh, high stakes as anything else. I think we're going through today as a country. Oh, I, 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 and I mean, if we had we, more leaders like him. I mean, a lot of people talk about his leadership skills in that vein of not thinking about his personal. Uh, I'd, I'd like to believe there's still a few of them out there. Yeah. And from time to time, you kind of meet some of them, but they're not as colorful, so you don't see them on TV. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. You find the ones more on the extreme, more, more divisive, more confrontational, yeah. because that makes better, better entertainment. So Maybe not better news, but better entertainment. Yeah, that's... Yeah, we could talk a lot about that. That's a whole. Yeah, we, get, we don't want to go down that topic. rabbit trail. Exactly. But, uh, uh, but the. Um, but I am curious. Another thing about you personally is this: this journey you've been to listening to the voices of knowing that it was time, or it was um, an opportunity for you to um, spend less time in the Amway business, mm-hmm. not day to day, not going around the globe. But like, what what were sort of over the what was the time frame? for that decision about, okay, I'm gonna think about my life 2.0 after yeah, Amway, yeah. and what sort of things were pinging at you as you decided, uh, evolved through that decision-making process? Well, it, it's, a real, it's a real interesting process because when you're in the middle of it, you really don't think about it. You know you have to su- have a succession plan, you know you have to move on, but you're in the middle of it, and we liked what we were doing, you know, so you just kind of keep doing it and you push things on. So it's hard. First of all, it's hard to get to get it in front of you to go, oh, we really need to do something about this. Again, in our context, it was Steve and Andel mm-hmm. and, and myself, you know, trying to say, you know, it's time. And in a family business, you have siblings who are kind of saying, OK, it, it, you know, it, it's time. We've got to think about this longer term. So it's something that happens over a period of time. It's not something that just clicks. It's something that you go, okay, time to move on. How are we going to do this? And, and then you have to have some conversations about what's that going to look like? We weren't prepared. You know, we'd been a family business for almost 60 years you know, with family leadership and, in, the, in those positions. So as a strategy, maybe we have the family relationship at the board level, not at the operations leading you know, or management level. Okay, what's that look like? So it's something that happens over time. And then... And then Probably it's not until you're through it a couple of years that you look back and go, 
wow, that was good timing, <laughs> you know, because right. because uh, you know it it does give you opportunities to do a few more things. Even though Steve and I remain very involved uh, with the business, sure. as does uh, our our whole family, yeah. um, in different capacities. But yeah. um, that's really kind of uh, that's a it, it's not something that just happens. It's something you know about, but it develops. Yeah, yeah, and I wondered uh, just the grind of being the leader of such a again huge global. Um, business presence and were there times where you felt uh, tired of always championing always uplifting <laughs> you know I mean you have to have times where you're like I don't know I don't know if I can put on this face today you know we're t- is, I have no idea I'm just conjecturing as a leader like it's it's not all roses but I'm just wondering if there were times and moments not specifically but like were there times and moments where you're like Someone else can do this for a while, you know. Like, I, I, it's really rough. And maybe not, but I was just thought. It up. Every once in a while, every once in a while, something would come up, and Steve and I go, "Holy smokes! Why? Where? Who are we looking around for to get this done?" But that was that was very rare and very short. We yeah. would, I, I think, we just, you know, we grew up in this business, and and it was gen- I, you know, I'd get on a plane to go somewhere or or go into a meeting. And I'd wake up every day going, I get to, I get to do this again. I'd kind of pinch myself. Yeah. And, and it was just because we worked with such great people. Right. And and and, and the the culture that Jay and, and Dad set up was, and we talked about this. There's never a problem at Amway. It's just a challenge. Uh-huh. Right. It's just a challenge, and we're going to figure out how to go through it. So, so they set the tone that it was always in solution mode. We didn't lament about the problem. We studied the problem. We tried to figure out the problem. You know, we like I said, mm-hmm. you might have like five minutes where you complain about it. Then it's like, okay, enough. Right. We got to figure out yeah. how to solve it. And and, and you everybody would come together, and we watched teams of people do amazing things to overcome problems, to find creative, innovative solutions to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, that's um, well. Uh, I guess in that, in that, I, there's another thing I'm interested in as your role in leadership is that, you know, there's a culture now in business leadership, in business um, books and communications about hustle, grind, and working hard, which is, you know, those are pillars of the American dream, right? You know, yeah. you got to work hard. Yeah. But uh, there's also, I'm wondering how you've, you've integrated other things that enrich your life, uh, hobbies and downtime. How have you used downtime to sort of uh, buoy, uh, you know, the effort, the relentless effort it takes to build something on a on a global scale and sustain it and improve it, yeah. you know, month in and month out. Well, well, family is a good way to start with downtime, and family is always a good reality check. So, especially when the kids were young, and you know, you know, you may have an family meeting, and there's lots of people together, and they all think you're great, and then you come home, and it's like, okay, this kid needs that. Take the, you know, change the diapers here. Take the trash out. Get this mm-hmm. done. Okay, it, it's a, it's a great grounding. But you're also with your family, and so that's how you would normally find things to do. What do you want to do together? What do you want to, you know, watching them in school and sports and other sorts of things was the was a was a tremendous foundation, and 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 keeping that a priority was important. And then I had I had some passions with sailing that you know uh, Maria would let me go do that every once in a while, or maybe too often. <laughs> I'm curious too because I used to see if you went to Grand Haven or Holland, or sometimes you'd see. One of the, one of the sailboats, uh, you know, on, uh, hooked up somewhere, and and you'd walk around. And I always remember that, like, there's a few uh, important boats, but they would sail the Chicago to Mackinac race, right. which you've done. Do you still do it every year, or do you try, or is it uh, something that's always on the calendar? The it's always on the calendar. I've done forty of them now. Forty. Yeah. So uh, what's special about that race? Because you I can have... do it anywhere in the world, but it's, <laughs> that's the one in your backyard, or what is the uh, the draw of that particular challenge of saying well, that it, race? Well, it, it's that's an, I keep trying to figure that out, and I and I thought about because it it's our fortieth anniversary, and a lot of you know, or we did forty now, and and some friends have asked. I think it's a couple things. It was. You know, when early on, Dad and Jay liked boats. It was a race that they were going to do. And they have this wonderful story about how big storms came in, all their crew got sick, and they quit. And, and my dad, somewhere in the 1960s, and my dad's like, uh, you know, we talked about this race, and it was always this big, scary race, and Dad's like, I'm never going to do it again. Well, my brothers, Dick and Dan, took the family sailboat in the 70s, and they said, well, we're going to do it. And my dad goes, well, good luck. I'm never doing it. <laughs> and they did it. 
and they finished and they did really well, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then, but I was too young to go. Mm. So in my mind, I'm like, well, doggone it, I'm gonna go on this race. And so then the next year, you know, I was allowed to go, my dad went as well, and it became something that we did as a family. Yeah. And, and, and it just had that, that history and that allure and that fact that I wasn't able to go the first time. Yeah. So whatever reason. It made you mad. I, it made me mad, <laughs> and I've stuck with it after <laughs> Dick and Dan have gone, that's the stupidest race in the world. I don't know why you keep doing it. <laughs> you know. But I'm like, well, yeah. because I couldn't once, and therefore I got to keep trying. So uh, I, better, become, I, I need some serious help. Yeah, I, I remember seeing a long time ago, so uh, just back, so I remember seeing at your home where you live now, there was a special trophy case that somebody built, a client of mine, and there was a lot, like you're an accomplished sailor. You've, you've won many competitions. You have racing teams that you manage and, and uh, mm -hmm. help uh, you know, um, compete around the world. Right. What, what might surprise people about what you've learned about sailing that translates to either professional or personal development yeah. in terms of sailing yeah. and conditions yeah. and all those yeah. things? Yeah. Well, it, it, the similarities go on. First of all, it's all about people. You know, it's about preparation. It's about perseverance, it, right? So you got to find the right people, you know, skilled, competent people who can work together as a team, depending on, you know, you can sail a dinghy. We sail boats are a little bit bigger, so you need a team. People have different roles and responsibilities and expectations. You're supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do this in this maneuver or in this situation, whatever it may be. So you have a teamwork aspect with, with the people. And then you got to get the boat ready. If something breaks, you're out of the race. You know, it's like the Indy 500. You, know, you got to make it 500 miles. That's the first thing you have to do. And, and uh, you, know, you may not have the fastest car, but if you have the fastest car that can go 500 miles, you're going to win the race. Yeah. So you know, the preparation you know, and, and the things you do to practice right you're going out as a team and you know repetitive maneuvers that you just got to do over and over again and, and then it's perseverance because you're gonna have something go wrong yeah right and and we say on the boat all the time chip away just chip away we're in we're in a bad situation here we just got to pass one boat mm -hmm. we're, we're in a tough spot here we just got to get through it and we'll have our opportunity to pass the boat or or, or something like that and and so that applies to life right mm -hmm. life and business it's the people you work with Right, it's preparing for what you're doing. It's not just making the sale. It, it, it's knowing the product. It's practicing your your, your pitch. It's doing you know, it's doing all the things beforehand that get you to that point, so that you can make the sale. Right, and yeah. and then it's dealing with rejection because most everybody's going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'm an expert at dealing go. with rejection. There's always like a, a bids or projects that I'm up for, and you might not get. You know, I get a small percentage of them, and people don't know how deflating and difficult that is at times to go really be presented with a cool project, a cool opportunity to create something. And then you find out, you get the dreaded emails like we've selected a different partner or yeah, a different yeah. vendor for this, and then. But to your point about your, your being left off the boat to the Chicago to Mackinac race, it, those types of experiences get me mad. They get me, uh, I don't mean mad at my client. No. It gets me motivated in my business. And I go, out. Oh, all right, watch this. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm going to accelerate my effort around something that's yeah. going to be, uh, get busy is basically, yeah. you know, uh, I need to hear that right now too, because coming out of, the pandemic's been a little, little bit rough in the for me in terms of the mix of my business. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's something that I'll take from this conversation. To it's okay to have a little fire in Absolutely. yourself to 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 make it go. You, you have to. You got to go back and ask why. Why did I lose? Why did that not work? Yeah. Well, I could do this better. I could do that better. Maybe I, you know. We're always learning. Yeah. Always improving. Always. Oh, uh, side note about that. I remember Amway used to spot you brought up uh, Indy 500, but you guys used to uh, uh, sponsor an Indy car. We did. Yeah. And then with this explosion of Formula One, I mean, are you watch, are you interested in car racing or is watching that? Is that part of what you're, you uh, enjoy watching or not so much in that field? I, I've got this much time to do stuff, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So uh, I love it. I think it's fascinating. You know, I, I, uh, you know you, when you watch the Indy 500 and we got, we had the chance to work with Roger Penske on, a, on an America's Cup sailing project uh, and just what an amazing person. Talk about somebody who's built a team 
who's done the preparation and who's who's persevered. So when I watch uh, when I watch the Indy 500 and I watch some of that racing, you're just it's fascinating to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't watch it a lot. I don't I don't yeah. dive into it too much. Um, but when I do, it's it's uh, again any to me any sport, and I think sport translates to business. I think it translates to life. You know, sports a meritocracy. You know, if if you get if you if you made the right proposal, you're going to get the job. If you didn't. You're not going to get the job if you're sport. If you can do on the uh, on the field, on the court, on the track, whatever it is, you know, then you're going to then you're going to get the role. Uh, it, it's a a pure meritocracy, and I think if we think about that in life, that that I have the opportunity to do something, I just have to work to figure out how to get there. Mm -hmm. You know, then then you start to have agency, you start to have a little control, rather than well, I'm never going to make it. And then you feel everything's kind of outside of your control, and we've that's been always the thing that we preached in Amway. Said. It's up to you. Right. We can't do it for you. We can help. We can surround you, but we can't do it for you. It's always up to always up to you. Hundred percent. Um, all right. Two two final things that I sure. wanted to talk to you about. One was, um, you know, we talk about, um, you know, your 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 family has has been extravagantly successful, even in the concept of the most successful American dreams. You know, you. Yeah. Tremendous resources, personally and professionally, to do a whole bunch of things. But a lot of people uh, think and dream about that—that that maybe that type of success would solve all your problems, you know, <laughs> or make you happy. Yeah. And what have you learned uh, about that being uh, either not immune from problems that every day people have, but also that um, it's probably not the key to. Happiness. There's some happiness of things and opportunities that that might provide you. But I guess my question is, you know, how, how does having tremendous uh, wealth and gifts um, does it make you happy and does it solve your problems? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, there was um, uh, a person I worked with, Arthur Brooks, who who wrote a book and and uh, used to run the American Enterprise Institute that that would say happiness is always tied to twenty percent more. You know, a lot of people would say, oh, if I only had this, then I'd be happy. But that's a false, uh, that's a false goal, right? Because you're, you're always going to think it's this or it's that. You've got to be happy with where you are. Happiness comes from the inside out and whatever your condition is. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, it, it's not tied to rich or poor. I found a lot of really happy people at all sides, you know, uh, places on, on the scale. And I found a lot of miserable, miserable people at, at all levels of the scale. You know, there's, there's no correlation or causation. Certainly having some level of security or stability in your life allows you to think about a few other things. You know, we, we, we always talked about that, that some level of economic success, getting to a point where, okay, I, I know that I can have food on the table. I know I can put clothes on my body. I know I can have a, a shelter and I can reliably count on that. Then I can care about my neighbor. Then I can care more about my kids. Then I can care more about my future. There's a level of that that, again, we've kind of learned around the world. So I, I, don't, I don't mean to disregard the, the, um, the significance uh, of having some level of economic or material wealth or success to, to create that environment of stability so that you can move on. But it's, it's not connected to happiness. In, in my experience, things can go wrong in life and there's no money that can pay for it. You know, if, you know, if you get sick, you know, you might be able to get good treatment, but you may not be able to solve it. Yeah. If your child gets sick, if something goes wrong with your family mm -hmm. you know, or somebody that you care about, you know, yeah. money might be able to help. Well, there's, those are life factors it. that are outside your purview of control. Absolutely. You know, I mean, there's, you can't have, uh, you know, the, you can't control everything. You drive yourself crazy yeah. trying to control things, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean... Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the day, you can't take it with you, right? Right. So it kind of goes back to our early discussion of faith. Yeah. You, you know, what, what are you doing this for? Right. You, you know, and how do you be responsible with the resources that God gives you, whatever they may be? You know, you know whether they're financial resources or personal resources or creativity or innovation or, or you know, whatever it may be, you know, the gifts that you, can, that you, that you receive. Last question I'm interested about, as you now have a little more bandwidth um, by not running Amway day to day, uh, you know, talking about entrepreneurship and how you pivot to uh, 
investments in, into ventures that you have personal interest mm -hmm. in now. They're not connected to uh, other family members or, or the Amway business, but like what sort of is piquing your curiosity as you're presented, I'm sure, a million different uh, opportunities to throw a buck in or get involved in this or that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's been it's been really fun. I mean, first of all, you know, the Amway experience has been an absolute, you know, tremendous blessing in my life. So we kind of have, if you will, you know, the big global business experience. And because of the nature of our business, we deal with a lot of individual entrepreneurs, our, our business, Amway business owners around the world. So we thought, you know, it kind of for learning and curiosity, kind of dealing with businesses in the middle, maybe a little bit more local. You know, so, so we got involved with a local private equity group here in Grand Rapids who's finding companies. We helped create a fund with people across the state who are finding companies here locally in Michigan that are you know, at a point where they're transitioning or, or need a little extra capital to kind of get to the next stage or get to the next level. But they're, you can stay close to them. Yeah, yeah. I, they're not sexy, fancy thing. You're making, you know, rivets, or, or you're you're making, you know, making right. springs, or you're doing. Well, it's simple, but it's good man, Michigan manufacturing, solid. And these companies, they don't necessarily, they don't need to be huge, but for the employees there, for the families connected to those employees, for the communities mm -hmm. and the customers, they're important. Yeah. And so we wanted to kind of learn learn that. And so that's one of the things we've done. We've gotten involved with a couple other personally, you know, directly uh, in, in a, a couple of companies. We love you know, the water. So we got involved with a, uh, with a marina up in northern Michigan. Uh, so we're kind of focusing on, uh, on that sort of space, if you will, and kind of maybe build out some more in the marine space. Um, and it's been really fun. Yeah. Again, meeting great people, and their stories are wonderful. And they, maybe their first generation, they built it with their brother or sister, or they built it with their dad or their you know, cousin, whatever it is. And now it's at this stage, they want to take it forward, and maybe we can be part of helping them uh, you know, with it and uh, to do that. So the main thing is when you align with vision and values, you know, and, and uh, you know, that's what you try to find people who are just great people and say, how do we, how do we work together? How do we be good partners? How do we help you what you're trying to achieve and, and achieve what we're trying to achieve? Do it together. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up here, but I always, uh, uh, first, uh, thank well, you. I, for I, I'll, I'll say one. I'll say and my question was, but, is there anything else that we <laughs> left dangling there that you wanted to tie up before I said goodbye? So you're already doing well, it. Well, so. I was already doing because one of the things we've really also focused on is, is um, the work of our foundation mm -hmm. and yeah. the work we're doing in the community. We, we, you know, Grand Rapids is an incredibly generous place. And like business, when you're always trying to figure out how to do it better, we're trying to figure out how, does, how, does, how could charity work better? Mm -hmm. How could it have an even greater positive impact in somebody's life? Where is it trying to do things it shouldn't be doing? And where could the, you know, the, the, you know, the commercial enterprises mm -hmm interact with people's lives to, 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 you know, to have a positive input. Where's the right role, the right place? So mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot more difficult than, than you'd think. And, yeah. and, and trying to fully understand that. So that's one of the other things that, that well, we're Well, we could have another uh, whole separate side conversation. I think there's a lot of opportunity in, in philanthropy yeah. to really uh, not have, uh, to change and be a disruptor in the way that Philanthropy is kind of traditionally looked at sometimes as as a gift or resources or or um, a hand down yeah. in a sense where um, it may be a temporary stopgap or a tiny boost, but it isn't really necessarily changing um, structural things or educational things or some other problem that are uh, the same amount of investment given a different way gives people a tremendous amount of agency to continue in a way that you know what I mean. So in terms Completely. of like that is. You're on a roll. You know, I, yeah, I don't have, um, you know, there are a lot of structural things in place that continually sort of churn out similar outcomes with challenges across humanity and in communities. No sure. community is immune from that. And yeah. I appreciate that, uh, you know, your family and, and the families involved across the board have been um, thinking about how to be more impactful. You're tremendously generous. But... It's one thing to just give and hope, yeah. or it's another thing to think deeply about, okay, what impact can be improved? Is there a better way to do that? And it's challenging because the problems will never end, 
I think government and some um, private partnerships that we've famous for in West yeah, Michigan yeah, yeah. can really move the needle in terms of how um, how we're able to continually make a lasting change with philanthropic gifts. Yeah. And uh, we've seen that through um, economic engines downtown mm -hmm. of, of the arena and the, the, the convention sure. center. And those have changed amount of lives it's changed the landscape of our city sure. and made it a place where people want to come you know yeah. i always say grand rapids is you know it's a secret weapon you know, people come in with uh, modest expectations yeah. about what they might experience in a b-level sized city in, yeah. in the country or in the world and they're just blown away by uh the community the yeah. people what assets are here and how much fun it is to enjoy and even with a lot of that great things going on there's still a, a segment of our population that doesn't get to touch that. They're not able to participate. They don't feel part of it. Yeah. And, and so we have to think differently. And, and that's, you're talking Grand Rapids. We've also kind of done things around Kent County. Mm -hmm. So there's urban and rural areas of, of people who would look at that and say, I don't, I don't feel part of that. And it could be a million miles away, mm -hmm. um, even though it's right next door. And so how, how do we yeah. have an impact because we're not going to change someone's life, but how do we have an impact that helps them change their own life? Yeah. But there's enough of an impact uh, that uh, that helps them see a, a better future and helps them get to where they want to go. It's not, you know, and the doors the are opening. You know, we have some very young, uh, ambitious entrepreneurs that are, you know, there aren't a lot of historically minority owned businesses downtown yeah. that are forward-facing to the public retail or restaurant operations or, or uh, other types of uh, those. And, and we're starting to see that topple. And we have a lot of work to do in inclusion and, uh, and, 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 and more equitable experiences to set a wider table for people to do their thing. More opportunity. More opportunity. More opportunity for more people. Yeah. Well, we'll doing. leave on that note. That's All positive. Right. We want more opportunity for more people. Absolutely. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time and popping in here and spending an hour with me. And uh, I think we made a pretty nice portrait before we sat down, <laughs> too. So, Well, with, with what you had to work with, I don't know how you did it. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to say Bless that. Bless you. That, you sort of, I that a, Photoshop thing is pretty important. Hand, as they say. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, for Really appreciate it. Well, that was fun with Doug DeVos, a newly minted podcaster, brand new, you know, like fresh out of the box. He's got a great new podcast called Believe, a podcast with Doug DeVos, and uh, you can find it anywhere that you listen to podcasts. He has really compelling business leaders and other types of lead people in leadership and education and all kinds of things as guests on his podcast. And... Um, it's interesting to hear perspectives. And as Doug was saying, what I really like to hear is that, you know, he wants to use these conversations to, to bridge gaps and find common ground, you know, even if it's people we don't agree with. And um, that's refreshing. You know, it's refreshing that it isn't just going to be a particular channel of thought and ideas coming out of um, that the, those conversations that we can push ourselves mutually to better understanding of one another. And so um, please check out the podcast. There's uh, links in the show notes. There's also, if you go to um, the full exposure podcast dot com slash Doug show page just for this episode. You'll see the portraits I shot of Doug. I really like them actually. It came out great. We had a tight window to do those, but uh, he's a pro. And also uh, there's six video excerpts of this conversation. So if you prefer to, you know, see two 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 dudes in chairs uh, talking, uh, you know, the video excerpts are another great way to um, visualize the conversation. So hey everybody let's have a great week. Um, my thanks again to University of Michigan Health West for underwriting this podcast. And um, you know what? Let's just go get it. Have a great week, everybody. The Full Exposure Podcast is brought to you by Dr. Peter Hahn and University of Michigan Health West in appreciation of the creative and artistic visionaries who enrich our lives through cultural connections.